Greetings. I'm Matt Matthews, one of the pastors here at First Pres in Champaign, and I'm happy to welcome you to our media ministry. Join us in person. We're located at the intersection of Church and State Streets, adjacent to Westside Park in downtown Champaign. Our traditional worship service is at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning, and on most of those Sundays, we offer French translation. Our contemporary services on Sunday begin at 11.15 a.m. When you come to First Pres, what you'll find, what I hope you'll find, is a community of people who support each other and who are passionate about making a difference in our community and beyond. You'll find relevant teaching for children and adults. We have at least a dozen Bible studies in small groups, including pickleball, that's right, pickleball, adult choir, a bell choir for all comers, and other programs and events designed to grow your faith and give you and me opportunities to serve. There's a place for you. I'm glad you tuned in. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew's Gospel. It is the story of the triumphal entry. Listen for the word of the Lord. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says to you, just say this, uh, the Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of Jesus and that followed were shouting, Hosanna, the son of David, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, The whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. It seems a big leap to go from that to this statement here. I am a huge basketball fan, a huge college basketball fan. I love the Red Sox the San Antonio Spurs, the Titans, and all the other college basketball teams. (laughs) I'm not on drugs, and I know the teams I just mentioned are not college basketball teams. They are lacrosse teams. The fact of the matter is I don't keep up with sports the way I should or ought. I know I'm letting you down in this regard, but I love people who do keep up with sports. I love people who know the statistics and the trends. They know who's been traded. They know what's going on. They can predict the future, and they love talking about it. They love the facts and the figures of the game, of any game. I love people who know who is the designated hitter for tonight's Cubs game. I, know, I love that. I love it when people can replay the whole season of the University of Illinois basketball. I love people who know the players or who act like they know their players, who talk about their first names and their mothers and their hometowns and their little brothers. I love that. And and I love uh, that that we know about our 
basketball coach. He was uh, walking through my neighborhood once, and I was unloading a great big box from the back of my car, and the coach says, you need some help with that. I said, no, no, I got it, and I pulled it out. It was a lawnmower, a boxed lawnmower that I had gotten from a, I don't know, a Home Depot or something, and I said, but can you show me how to use this thing? And he, he walked towards me as if to say, this poor man doesn't know how to use a lawnmower. And I said, I'm just kidding, coach, I'm just kidding. But I was wearing a Furman shirt, and he said, that's the most beautiful university in the, in the nation. He used to coach there. And I said, well, I think it's beautiful. It's beautiful indeed. So I know our coach. That's my point. That's my coach story. But I love people who know our coaches and our players. And I, know, I love people who, who get into the stories and the statistics, and I love how they get excited about sports. We all get a little excited about some of the games, the World Series, for example. That's in like October, I think, and it's baseball. Uh, the pro football playoffs leading to the Super Bowl. Uh, I love halftime. I love halftime at the Super Bowl. We love the U.S. Open or the Australian Open or, or Wimbledon. We love March Madness College basketball. This year, I was sorry that Arkansas beat Illinois. I was hoping Illinois would bring home the trophy. On the women's side, I was sorry that USC didn't finish it, didn't take it all the way. I paid attention this year to the unusual stories, as I always do, uh, of the men's tournament. Number 13, Furman University beat number 4, Virginia. I know people at both schools. I paid a lot of money for, for a boy to go to Furman. I loved how number 15, let's see, who was ranked number 15? Princeton. Princeton beat number two, Arizona. I'm not sure you guys are big enough fans. You need to work on that a little bit. I'm a lousy fan, and I knew that. Goodness gracious. And I wondered if number one, Purdue. I wondered if number one, Purdue, would go all the way. But no, Purdue fell in the first round to Fairleigh Dickinson University. Who? Who is Fairleigh Dickinson, and where is Fairleigh Dickinson? I'm not even sure I'm saying it right. Fairly, it's F-A-I-R-L-E-I-G-H. Fairly Staunton Dickinson Sr. was born in the 1800s. He worked at the Singer Sewing Machine Factory while he went to night school. And in the late 1800s, he founded, in 1897, he founded a surgical manufacturing company that became the largest such company in the United States. He was president of a bank there in uh, New Jersey. He founded the local Rotary Club, um, in 1938, he went back to his home state of North Carolina and founded a church, which later became a Methodist church. And in 1942, in Madison, New Jersey, he founded Fairleigh Dickinson College, or at least he underwrote the founding of that college. Given my limited knowledge about college basketball, and by the way, we're going to get to Scripture in just a second, okay? Just another 10 or 15 minutes, we'll be there. <clears throat> this is my one sports sermon. Uh, by, by my, given my limited knowledge about college basketball, I had hardly ever heard of New Jersey, much less Farley Dickinson. And as far as I was concerned, as we went into the first round, Farley Dickinson was a nobody team from a nowhere place. Farley Dickinson was of little consequence in the basketball world and could not or should not be taken seriously. Then, in the first round, they beat Purdue. To many people sitting in halls of power in Jerusalem, 
To many armchair quarterbacks, that's a mixed metaphor, I know. To many armchair quarterbacks in, in, the, in the political world in Jerusalem in the first century, Jesus was from Fairleigh Dickinson, from New Jersey somewhere. Jesus was insignificant. And this Palm Sunday parade, well, it's nothing because Jesus is a nobody. And yet, and yet, Jesus pulls off here as he comes through the Mount of Olives into the Eastern Gate. He pulls off a stunning victory in the first round of what we might call first century March Madness. On the back of a donkey, riding humbly into Jerusalem, he comes. He appears on the world stage. In the face of military might, he comes with humility. In the face of armed guards, his followers have palm branches, and they're throwing their clothes down in front of that donkey. In the face of speeches of worldwide power and dominion, Jesus invites everybody to love everybody. That's where we are today in the midst of this parade. We see Jesus riding in a donkey, riding on a donkey into his 15 minutes of international fame. The scriptures report when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil asking, Who is this? And the crowds are saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Jesus, who? From, from where? But here he is. He's the center of this victory parade. Now the crowd that day, imagine what they thought. It's not hard for me to imagine them thinking that he's going to go all the way. He's going to win the tournament. He's going to come home with the gold. I can imagine them thinking that the Romans will be defeated and they're going to go back to Italy or wherever they came from. We're going to get our homeland back. Jesus is, Jesus is going, to, going to sit upon a throne soon. Now he's on a donkey, sure, but soon he'll be on a throne. Jesus will restore our people to a place of dignity. I can imagine them believing this. Hosanna! Hosanna in the highest they're excited. The world seems to be tilting off its axis and Jesus is riding this wave. Heaven and earth will kiss. The, the trees will clap their hands. Glory will shine. And, and praise and wonder and glory, glory, hallelujah, will dawn. And we're here to see it all at its humble beginning. I can imagine that crowd wanting to believe that. And maybe thinking it could happen because they knew with God all things are possible. Why not? Why not? Let's shift gears for a second. Let's leave the parade. Let's rise above it. And let's look ahead because we can, because we know the story. Let's just, let's just tease that story out for a moment. We look beyond these moments to the coming moments. Every day this week, we know, gets us closer to defeat. We're going to lose, and we know it. Uh, we're going to lose. Jesus will not make it to the third round. Jesus and his team of followers will not win. Jesus, it turns out, will be the big loser. His kingdom will not be realized. Brutal Rome will remain firmly cemented in place. Justice will not flower 
accept the justice of propping up the status quo, the political realm will not be transformed. Heaven will flee from creation. If we dare look ahead, that's what we see. Jesus not only will fail, he'll be, he'll be betrayed by a member of his starting lineup. The team will not pull together, they will scatter. They will desert him and each other. Jesus' new order that he had spoken so eloquently of will fade into some kind of madness or chaos. He will be arrested. He will stand trial twice. He will be mocked. He will be paraded down the, the Villa Dolorosa, the way of suffering. He'll carry his own cross from the old town center to the edge, to the edge of town where he will be crucified. So much for winning. Huh? I don't think those Palm Sunday crowds were thinking that. I don't think they wanted to think that. And I can assure you they didn't want to believe that. The people in this Sunday parade probably couldn't imagine the Friday outcome. And like all good fans, they were swept up in the moment and they only saw visions of glory. They saw Jesus rising up on that ladder with scissors in His hands to cut down the net. They saw Jesus lifting the trophy high above His head and then the confetti streaming down, dancing down, catching the light, covering sadnesses like snow, like manna from heaven. That's what they saw. That's what they wanted to see. 64 teams started out, but we alone remain. Hail Jesus, Hosanna, with liberty and justice for all. But no, no. We end after a long holy week just outside of town on a hill beneath a cross where our friend can only hang his head and breathe his last. And that's where the story ends. Right? No. It's not where the story ends. We've attempted to stand in the shoes of those friends in that first Sunday parade. And we are hopeful in that moment that Jesus will change the, the order of things in ways we imagine. We take a preview to Friday and we see everything having come down broken on the ground. But if we look just a few hours beyond Friday to the third day, we will stand with women by an empty tomb just as dawn breaks and we will find it inexplicably empty. And we will wonder, what is God doing? And what we expect is the answer is not. Because what in fact is happening is bigger than our imagination. And the revolutionary Jesus is achieving His purpose in ways we never would have imagined and in ways we still have trouble understanding. But that's Easter's Sunday. That's next week's sermon. Come next week. Uh, that's a preview. Uh, come next week. Uh, I'm going to talk about football next week for quite a while. 
That's the end of the sermon uh, today. Uh, Today we pause, this is the end, we pause and thank God for the holy walk through this holy week. We, We tune in to this holy week. We don't rush to Easter. We pay attention to what's happening, Holy Tuesday, Holy Wednesday, Monday, Thursday, together downstairs, Good Friday here with Methodist brothers and sisters, thinking about that's, that's the end of today's sermon. We walk with Jesus. If we are able and if we dare, let us walk with Jesus this week. But this is the add-on sermon we, we, I have to preach, that I have to say. <clears throat> and, and that is, what does it mean to walk with Jesus? Well, that's the Christian vocation. That's the question we ask ourselves our whole journey, wondering if we're doing it right, making adjustments, leaning on one another, following other people sometimes, and others leading, leading them. What does it mean to walk with Jesus? Um, we would be remiss not to mention that walking with Jesus is vital for the spiritual life. It's not always easy. The walk always brings moments of joy, even in shocking sadness. And the shootings of this past week. We are continually wearied by the violence of this world. Walking with Jesus in this case means being advocates of mental health in our community, in our schools, in our churches, in our families. It means being advocates of mental health. Walking with Jesus means contemplating how trauma informs us and how trauma informs others. Walking with Jesus means walking towards enforcing the laws we already have and wondering about and enacting the laws we don't have that we surely need. Walking with Jesus means asking questions. It means finding our knees. It means wondering together. It means praying alone. It means listening for God's response. Walking with Jesus means grieving with those who grieve. Walking with Jesus means listening to and loving our neighbor especially the neighbors we don't like or don't understand, who don't come from our place of origin. Walking with Jesus means relationship building. And this always, always, always involves time and sacrifice. Walking with Jesus means getting up off our holy pew and hitting the holy road even though our feet are tired. And even though our knees are old, and even though our backs are weak, and even though our vision is fading, walking with Jesus means walking with Jesus. Jesus does not walk so far ahead that we cannot see. And Jesus does not walk so fast that we cannot keep up. Thanks be to God. Thank you for joining this podcast of First Presbyterian Church Champaign. Visit us at our campus at the intersection of Church and State Streets in downtown Champaign. And for more information, visit us online at www.firstpres.church. Have a great week.